Hello everyone, welcome to the In The Frame podcast. I'm Luke, today as always I'm joined by Pip and today we have the privilege of having the lovely Lee Thomas here. How are you doing Lee? Good thanks, good to be here. It's lovely to have you. Um, Before we get into it, remember to subscribe to OSVD, uh, follow us on all the social medias, uh, follow us on the podcast side of it, follow us on the YouTube side of it and if you want to learn more go to osvd.org forward slash in the frame. Right, let's get in, let's get into it. Hey Lee, it's brilliant. Thank you so much for doing this, mate. I know you you are a busy, busy man, and uh, you're welcome. It's good yeah. to Yeah, yeah, lots. Of, I mean, yeah, I've been busy this past year. It's quite a lot of stuff coming out on TV and stuff. So I, I just wondered if you just uh, to begin with, just kind of give us a little bit of a a brief overview of of your career and, and where that's brought you to at the moment and what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, the last few years, uh, two three years, have been really good I would say it hasn't always been like that um, and it's feast or famine and quite often with this career I've found but um, yeah I've just come off of industry which was out on BBC and White House Farm last year came out which went down quite well to TV projects and I also uh, produced a feature which I've been developing for five years before it got off the ground called The Last Tree so that was a real flurry but before that um, I was making a transition from film to TV, which was quite hard. It's like two worlds, hard to break out of one into the other, I found. Um, And fortunately, I got a break um, producing Doctors, the daytime show, which was sort of a way to cut my teeth and show I could do multi-episodic stuff and work with many different directors and scripts at the same time. And it was a very useful springboard to show I was serious about um, getting into TV and then and then uh, White House Farm was the um, the break before that. But how I got in, you know, when I'm asked how did you get into it, is I wouldn't recommend you try this at home. Which is, uh, I, I lived in Japan in a rice farming village, um, learned Japanese, discovered that um, I was quite interested in camera work, and ended up um, both developing Japanese language and ability with camera and I became a self-shooting documentary filmmaker for Japanese television and um, which got me uh, I had a lot of fun and made a bunch of um, projects including like two hip-hop documentaries about the birth and spread of hip-hop culture from uh, the uh, the US uh, to the rest of the world and um, but then found you know I was a bit stuck then I came back to the UK after five years and didn't really know anybody in the industry I had this weird showreel um this is pre-internet actually so there was no sort of and, and pre-digital so it was all the, the, the films I shot were on high eight um and then everything exploded differently after that but it was a real real slog to find your way I think um so I, I ended up um, getting into film school and had you know, made shorts, just kept busy making docs, um, didn't just rely on film school, but tried to make things outside of that. And then thanks to film school, made some good uh, relationships with good collaborators and and got my first feature off the ground um, a couple of years out, out of film school, which looking back, I realized was a combination of luck and circumstance and picking the right writer director to team up with because the idea he ha- we happened to have um, hit the spot for Channel Four at the time, so it was. A, you know, look, you look back, you think, oh, that was all my hard effort. But there's a little bit of everything. You know, it's hard effort plus a bit of luck plus a bit of something else. You know, and then I suppose I had a period where um, after that film, everything was looking very rosy, 
and I thought this is it's going to be like this. Um, you know, my first feature was with Andy McDowell, who was a bit of a star still then. Um, we had to fly out to LA to meet her, and I thought, yeah, it's going to be like this. And then, not long about a year after, I had a first look deal with Film Four, which means they give you a bit of money to run your business and to option material, you know, to buy books or scripts. Um, and and in exchange for that, I just have to show them our projects first. And I thought, again, it's going to be easy. And then suddenly, overnight, way above your your head, um, my head, um, Channel 4 had a restructuring. They shut down the film division as it was. And the first look deal went with it. And suddenly, um, I, instead of a business, I had an expensive hobby. So um, that's when I actually thought I've got, and I was trying to, um, uh, I just met my now wife at the time, and I suddenly losing credibility fast as my credit card was going up and I thought I've got to get a job and that's when I applied for a job as head of production and uh, development at Screen West Midlands so which is where I met you Pip yeah. and and I ended up working there for five years which was about three years longer than I expected but um, it was a good experience and I learned a lot about side of the business that I probably wasn't that interested in I thought but it was how you know how the things get put together and finance mm. and all of that and, and then after that I thought time to get back to producing and as I say it took a long while to get banging on the doors of TV because TV has become the last 10 years TV has become so much more interesting and so many more options and it's all because of you know the the uh, proliferation of broadband and uh mm. yeah uh, emergence of streamers and you know widening of the channels we can all put our media on whether it's just on internet or, uh, or or through broadcasters but yeah so and then happily i have to say you know this is I feel after period of being in the desert it felt like i've had a good couple of years so um yeah right quite, quite well, I, just, I just realized you know all in the best laid plans i i asked the <laughs> I asked the second question and not the first yeah. question. So, Luke, why don't you dive in and ask the question I was supposed to ask, Luke? <laughs> no worries. Um, so, filmmaking, that's really thats really incredible, your story, and um, kind of going from one side of the globe to the other side and, and kind of rebuilding, uh, building and then rebuilding your connections with filmmaking. Um, filmmaking, as we know, is a really collaborative process. How do you as a producer go about building strong teams and collaborating well with projects, um, projects and projects from from different places? Um, well, I, I guess, you know, when you if you're talking about teams in terms of like creative heads of department and stuff, um, I'll be honest with you, it's pretty much you know, every project's different as a producer, you're not um, necessarily you know making a lot of stuff every year you're i mean now i'm on a kind of every 18 months i should be making something new cycle but um when you're doing shorts yeah it's faster turnaround but i would say um i obviously when i do work with people that i've you know considered very carefully whether it's a dop or not i'll, I'll be looking at their work i'll be trying to help them to make the best do the best they can with the resources we have and um, just try to preserve relationships so that in case, even if in the next project, this isn't a job for this person, you know, it's not, you know, based on whatever reason it's not right for them. I will hopefully work with them again on something else. So you keep preserving relations by being mm -hmm. good to people and also, um, yeah, you know, be creatively alive to to the projects you're working on with them, so that they respect you creatively, and you're not just sort of um. Because I don't know how many of your 
uh, viewers know what a producer does, but that's a whole, you know, we could do two, uh, two three hours on that because there are very many different types. Some are completely money driven, some are um, script driven and they only know story, but they wouldn't know one end of a camera if they from the other. Others are just obsessed with the physical making and could probably build a projector to sh shoot old film on. And so, and, and some are just obsessed with the money side. So, and so it just, just depends on what kind of producer you are. But um, essentially I find the key thing for me as a creative producer to try and find writers that I like, uh, who trust me to work with them on their stories. And I, I'm not one of those people that just say dumb things all the time. I mean, they say dumb things some of the time. Hopefully over, over time you learn to build relationships mm. with writers where they think actually if you give the script to Lee, he'll both be good in the development side. And then when it gets made, he's, he honors what the intention was and mm. tries to make the thing we were trying to make, you know, we're trying to write in the first place. And same with directors, you know, build, you don't want to be the person who's always saying no um, or, or getting in the way, but you want it, you want it, you want them to know as well that you can think creatively, keep up with them and um, and align yourself with the vision they have as directors. So it's just about being, um, you know, it's just like finding, finding your tribe, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also, you know, there's the side to making things that you just really want to make. And hopefully if you're lucky, you'll get the money to do that, but it's also might be, building a career it's about um you know for anyone getting into the industry it's about you know just know your stuff and and, and work hard and you know don't um uh you know be don't don't say things to people that you're gonna regret later you know just sort of be kind of be a good person i suppose i'm saying i was just just thinking of this apocryphal story of um that we mentioned before i came on which is um i remember situation i found myself in recently if, can i share the screen there's a photo i found recently yeah. of me on my first feature film set um and it's quite a good story of, of you know it's the thing that biden has said which is um don't what did he say don't be uh be decent to people don't you mm. know don't speak down to people yeah. um, mm. and there's a picture here of I'm in the blue shirt with the sunglasses, trying to look cool, standing behind the director, writer, John Mackay. And this is the uh, Henry Braham in the light blue shirt next to the monitor. Uh, he's the DOP. And then scrunched right down here in green in the T-shirt on the dirty floor is um, a young man who uh, was named Joel Wilson. Mm. I'd, I'd never really remembered him, but I went in for a job interview um, about... Um, three or four years ago and it was for a series and um and as I went in this guy you know shook my hand he said you don't remember me do you and I said uh, I'm really sorry no I don't I I was thinking I hope I haven't done something horrible to this <laughs> and he said I'm Joel you gave me my first break in film and uh, and I've always thought you were a, a good guy and a good producer and and I like the way you treated your crew and um, and I've got this business and um we've got this show and want to talk to you about it Anyway, this is the guy who went on to make a series called Sex Education and sold his mm. business for, you know, multiple figures and he's doing super well. And I thought, you know, what a, you know, that's such a lesson in not, you be careful how you treat people. It doesn't matter what their role is, um, treat people equally. And I have seen examples of people favoring people they think are in power and then really talking down to runners or, mm. and just, you know, using, having people that they just 
treat badly i just say forget all that just treat people um equally and uh, and well and so so you become someone who's just i think i think the thing about a lot of these um jobs when you get into you know not so much short films where it's in and out and everyone's doing favors but longer projects you've got to live and work with people for a long time maybe up Mm. to 18 months or maybe it's a six month shoot and you just want to be the person people can get along with you know and that's it is a fundamental it's ca- your character is as as important as your skills but yeah you must know your job um you've got to be someone when i think about the people that um i notice um who are coming up it's often people that they know to do their job well and they don't complain about the fact that they really want to direct, but today they're running or today they are, you know, assistant coordinating, you know, and it's boring to book hotels for people. And it's boring. You know, I really want to be out with my lenses, but, but they, but because I can recognize in someone that they've got more to offer than maybe this role, but it's really good for me if they will just support me during, you know, put a parent, you know, put a little pause button on that desire and just give me everything they've got and be there for the show, be there for me um, and, and the team for this project. And then what happens mm-hmm. is, is as, as they show their reliability and their and, you know, eagerness to learn, you then start to have those odd moments at the end of the day or between businesses and you just start chatting and you, you want them to be themselves and you, and you find out that they are secretly writing this script or they're doing something else and you do find you pick up on that. Um, in fact, my, I suppose my feature film, The Last Tree, was born of a relationship with a technically more junior writer, but um, I really liked him and saw one of his shorts really like that and then later went back, you know, why don't we do a feature together? And um, mm. and then it turned into The Last Tree. Um, so it's just that thing of in your scrabble to get ahead and it is, you know, it's going to be a, a marathon, not a sprint. Just don't forget, you know, you know just that side of things you know, just just be decent you know respect people around you whatever their level and um and you'll do you'll do well but also know your stuff you know if you're in a you know i always remember this phrase don't don't um work to earn but work to learn and and certainly mm-hmm. quite often you do get underpaid so that won't be a problem you won't be earning maybe always as much as you want but but if make sure that whatever you do next you know you're going to learn something and make sure you mm-hmm. do learn it and you don't just um yeah, sorry. I feel like I don't want to just sort of spout stuff off, but no, this is this <laughs> is great. really really good stuff actually. And I mean, one of the things I wanted to go back to because you mentioned that period where you you were working for Screenverse Midlands, where where we met, and um, well, you know, I met as a as an in, in, indie filmmaker in that mm. region, and you were fantastically supportive of of mm. what I was doing back then. And um, but you know, you, well, one of the things. Um, I wanted to ask you is that obviously you've been involved with lots of people who've had those sorts of desires to develop their careers and uh, go forward and you've talked about how you know when whenever you get any kind of opportunity just be the very best version of yourself that you can be within that treat people well do the job as best that you can but for our audience of emerging filmmakers you know are what kinds of things could people do as beyond that that could help them kind of get noticed or get get some kind of support because we know how competitive it is nowadays to get the support of you know regional funds or national funds or organizations etc um but you know beyond being a really good person and taking the opportunities that come and making the most of those what other things could emerging filmmakers do to really help themselves get forward 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I suppose it's, um, you know, if I think back to what did I do when I when I came back to, you know, I'm, I was big in Japan for 10 minutes. It didn't count for diddly squit here. <laughs> so what did I do? I used, you know, created a show reel to get myself into a film school. Um, and um, the good thing about film school, that's a decent one. And there are a few out there. I mean, NFTS is probably the best and most internationally recognized. But there are uh, there are others. Um, that's one way to slot yourself into a system whereby there's you're going to be if you did nothing else by the end of it you're going to get noticed by certain people who are milling around looking for new talent and it's always that filtering thing you know it's like if you if you're looking if you look at the output of um people that come out of film schools a lot of them you know there'll be a lot of them that do quite well some don't mm. uh, fall by the wayside but but that that sort of um attracts people looking for new talent um so getting yourself into a system whereby you're going to get noticed without you having to be, you know, shouting out loud all the time, you know, one bark, lone barking dog in the wilderness. Um, or one small barking dog, as some might say, like the charity. <laughs> or, you know, and getting involved in communities like this where, you know, you never know if you've got a cohort of, say, 30 people or 100 people on this kind of um, platform, who knows if you've pitched something to one of your friends or cohorts on here and then someone else hears someone looking for something, then that's a way of getting a build a virtuous circle of ref yeah. referees. The BFI Film Academy, you know, I know, I know there'll be a lot of people applying and not everyone will get on it. But if you get yourself into a scheme, it's then there as a sort of conveyor belt to deliver yeah. you to getting recognized. So whatever that and whether same applies to um, I mean, look, when I got into, uh, when I was at school and coming out of uni, filmmaking wasn't really on my horizon and there was no digital way, there's no cheap way of getting in. It was like literally when I was at school, it was mostly probably, you know, people making stuff on film still and that was expensive and prohibitive and it was mainly for the middle and upper classes who maybe had a load of money. But now there's no barrier to entry. So there's no excuse not to practice your craft. The difficulty now is there's a lot more noise. Yeah. So it's how to get noticed. And um, I think things like, I remember uh, I was influenced a lot by Sundance uh, sort of mentality of make low budget feature rather than a low budget um, short or make a short, because I think there is a market for features. If you make something that can get um, a distribution deal, then then you've already, you've already li uh, lifted yourself off about above some of the crowd. But then on the other hand, um, you'll have a, festival like Sundance that gets like a thousand applicants and only a small percentage of those will get selected and a small percentage will get distribution so even that's not a guarantee but I think yeah you've just got to um you know it's all about longevity I think you know how can you see this as a, a marathon not a sprint and how can you keep yourself sustained while you wait for either the you know the lucky break um comes along to people who really try hard i think and who yeah. are in the game enough for then for luck to sort of randomly pick them so it's it's a case of um you know being secure in yourself enough that you can afford to be in the business i suppose whether that's yeah. um the job in the industry and you're working your way up or whether it's some some other job um but i don't see any i don't see any sort of real shortcuts other than to yeah if you make shorts apply to film festivals um even the smaller ones even the genre if you make a sci-fi film 
apply to the genre festivals you know don't yeah. just say i've got to be in Cannes, i've got to be in berlin or i've got to be at sundance think there are some small niche places and then if you get a good even if you get nominated for a prize you know use that to help generate a little bit of publicity or speak to um a channel that might you know want to put that on and just try to build word of mouth that you then get noticed um so that if someone says well what have you written you say well i've written a, a prize you know a, um a shortlisted nominated short and um i'm on my way kind of thing so it's yeah. just there's no one magic bullet for sure and i mean i know i know for you i mean you've you've done this i mean the, the good thing about this is you know i know that you've done all this stuff you did Iave, you did guiding lights you know you you put yourself out there and got onto schemes that really helped propel you forward and put you into networks obviously you did do film school but i'm also aware that you know one of the things we're trying to do here at the charity is to ensure that we are trying to reach out to as as a diverse group of young people as possible so yeah. many, many of whom might be coming from areas backgrounds ethnicity or whatever it might be gender that where they feel maybe a bit distance from this it all seems a little bit highfalutin over there that's not really for me i mean i think there is a general sense that things are are changing but you know what 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 do you think kind of needs to happen that we get a, a slightly fairer landscape in terms of the industry particularly from in terms of access points you know for young people from different backgrounds to feel like they can they can at least begin that journey to see where it takes them yes yeah, i mean it's a really important question and uh, i don't have a simple answer and i am facing it right now on, on a project you know i'm really trying to construct a very diverse crew um with heads of department from a diverse background uh, in the broadest sense. And it's quite hard because unless you have already a good body of people, um, you know, you don't want the exception to prove the rule where, you know, one person gets through and then, but, but who's coming up behind them, you know, and, and whether it's, um, you know, black or Asian um, DOP or, you know, whatever the, whatever the sort of minority uh you're looking at it's 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 the volume is not there at the moment so it's how to get the volume and i think that is through the next phase of education and training and apprenticeships and it's that that's where it has to happen because you just need volume you need yeah. volume so that so that when you are you don't want to all be scrabbling around for the two or three um you know super qualified um fame line producers or whatever whatever it is you're you're trying to bring yeah. sensitivity towards um it's a real, it's a real struggle, but it, I have to say, you know, it's like, um, you know, I, as a work, you know, my dad was a printer. I technically come from a working class background and it was, wasn't easy to get in. I, I felt the initially difficult to get in and I know it's harder still, you know, I'm a white guy and it's, and, and, and I'm, you know, middle-class now, so it's easier for me, but it's, I, I guess the thing is, is as a person, you know, don't let it define your experience. Um, take even if it's not your fault structurally take absolute responsibility for your kind of own what can you do today about this even if it's not fair and if even if it doesn't seem right is there someone you've met that you could follow up with is there a person you've admired who you've seen has worked in this field that you can uh, or you know projects that you really like that you can sort of try to build a relationship with and then beyond that i think now is i don't think I don't think the film and TV industry has been more aware of its short f 
football is failings as it is now and now yeah. is a good time to shout about your desire and your need to sort of get in this business and and um don't be don't be shy and timid about pointing out mm-hmm. why it's time for you to be getting a chance and again be polite respectful but be noisy you know um yeah. and I, I genuinely think um when I talk to line producers, you know, I, I've been interviewing line producers um, this last couple of weeks for a, a new HBO show set in Jamaica. We're gonna have no problem with um, local cast and crew, yeah. but to get the UK unit together, I'm like, I ask every line producer, what's what are we gonna do to make sure that we're not just going to the same old, same old? Um, how are we gonna make sure we cast down there? And I think overall, everyone says, well, we still. You know, once you've met the two or three designers who are, um, you know, of diverse background, um, what do you do then? You need the volume to come through. So that has to happen structurally. I know the BAFTA were hand-wringing about this over um, over this lockdown last year. Mm. And they have changed their whole voting approach and they are making it more likely that... Um, the smaller projects that have had lower budgets that are made from more diverse voices are more likely to get considered for awards and having awards is the thing that then gets you to be the, you know, it's such a, such a crude world we're in where like, if you win something, you're great because someone else has said you're great. And then before you know it, you know, the the media latches on and then before you know it, the money latches. Mm -hmm. I think getting more, um, those awards, uh, programs need to be changed. Training needs to be ramped up. I mean, I don't know if you remember as well, um, Pip, but you know, when we worked for when I worked for Screen West Midlands, I hadn't realised for a while until we did realise um, that, that that even though our doors were wide open to uh, the sort of which I mean, Birmingham is a very diverse culture, but we weren't getting a lot of applications from the Black and Asian communities. And that was because we were just perceived as this white organisation that only mm-hmm. wants applications from white people which just couldn't yeah. have been further from the truth but actually how do you then communicate the fact that you're you know culturally you're open to a more diverse slate and so we did try to make projects that were yeah. the road yeah. to Guantanamo about the Tipton three and then one day Penny Walcock's um hip you know uh, yeah. grime musical involving a lot of local community you try to send the right signals but even then you just got to make sure um you're not being culturally biased and I think a lot of producers and people I know are going through training with BFI's diversity unit and trying to make sure you're not doing you know, unconscious bias I guess is a thing you, you just have to I was, I was going to say that there's there's something about the other side of the uh, uh, of the camera as well isn't there there's the stuff that's behind but I think to inspire you know the next generation of young people who perhaps don't necessarily think this is a career they can go into and I think it's great that you know the, the show that you did industry you know on the BBC is a fantastic young black actor that's in the Mayana. yeah you know and, and I think it's just really important that we're we're putting that diversity on screen as well and we're picking stories that are from those you know kind of diverse voices and and and, and angles of society that perhaps have not been looked at I mean I know De- Debbie who's podcast comes out today actually you know did two of steve Sir steve mcqueen's small acts uh, projects as line producer and i think you know it's it i think that's another really important part of it isn't it that it's the stories that are being told as well as the all of the things you've talked about in terms of opening the doors and encouraging people into the industry 
Exactly. And that was, I mean, one of the things that attracted me to industry was it's divert the diversity. I mean, it's on in the, on the page, you know, it was not, this was not going to be a load of white bankers, um, no. nothing wrong with that. But I, you know, as a guy growing up in Tottenham, for me, my, my world was very diverse and that's where I felt more comfortable more than a kind of this kind of, um, uh, you know, merchant ivory world of, of, of you know, period drama, so nothing against them either. Cause I love yeah. them, but, um, I just want to see rich, more diverse voices. And if you look at my slate as a producer, it is very yeah. diverse. And yeah. that, that's the I am looking for, you know, the next Steve McQueen and um, or, or or the next um, Derek Jarman, if you like, mm. you know, the next gay artistic, yeah, whatever it is. I want to. Hear, I think the more interesting voices are are on the margins, um, and and that's where I'm looking. So brilliant. Incredible. But there's no. I just think you know when. I just worked something out about four years ago. Life isn't fair. And um, and while we're all hoping that everyone will get their act together to make things better and more system systematically better for everybody, you as an individual have got to just think you've got a hand to play. You've got your unique talent. And it's like, how can you, you know, just, you know, get up and go out every day and just go, I've got something to offer here and not let all that rubbish get yeah. in your head too much, which is not to say it doesn't exist because it is, there is, it is unfair. Yeah. Just take as much responsibility as you can for your own journey really. Mm. And get a lot of help along the way. We all need, I mean, I wouldn't be here without masses of help. I've got, I mean, I've done this thing recently myself is a list of mentors and a list of like a tribe of mentors idea where you've got people that you know are generally on your side who generally like what you do who probably would be quite happy to see you advance as opposed to people who might be quite happy to see you fail yeah. and just think okay how can i use them really well to get an intro to someone just to send my cv or get an in maybe a friend of yours just got at their first gig okay is there anything in there that you might be able to kindly ask them to help you with yeah. it. Even if it's like, look at your CV and what do you think? Would this get me through the door? That sort of thing. I do that myself now. Yeah. So, well, we're, and that's definitely what the, the whole building, the online community, yeah. you know, which, which is primarily online, but you know, as time goes on, we want to make that a much more sort of connected thing as well, physically. So people can come together and meet and collaborate and, and make things as, as we kind of emerge out the other side of this, this, uh, this pandemic. But um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely the heart of where we're at is encouraging people, you know, not, not just to come to us. There are other things that people can do, but certainly if people want to come and be part of what we're doing, that's absolutely our heart is just to get alongside and support and mentor and encourage, you know, as many people as possible. Final question then. Um, uh, what are your recent projects? What's coming up next? Um, well, as a producer for hire, I'm working on a new HBO um, series with channel four and that's going to be a Jamaica set um, cop series with a difference. And um, so that's uh, with Marlon James, the author of History of Seven Killings uh, series. It's very exciting. And I'm, I've got a slate of about seven projects, about four TV series and three features, all of which um, I'm very excited about mostly international and um, a couple set in Japan, including an adaptation of Number Nine Dream, David Mitchell novel, and another one, a kind of English language J horror. I don't do a lot of J. I don't, I'm not interested in horror genre per se, unless it's sort of cross genre, um, doing something else at the same time, and this is one one of those. So, um, but no, a lot of, a lot of um, 
interesting things, keeping me very busy. Sounds very exciting. Very exciting. Thank you very much, Lee, for for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's been brilliant. I hope, yeah, good luck, everyone. Um, Yeah, good luck. Amazing. We'll see you all next time. Thank you again, Lee, for coming along. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, yeah, see you all soon. Bye-bye. Thanks.